Welcome to the BIY Pod, a people podcast for the music business, bringing you meaningful and motivating career conversations. I'm Sylvia Gargiulo, the founder of BIY People and Talent, the people consultancy for the music business. In each episode, we'll share with you lovely listeners real career stories from some of the most interesting, inspiring and insightful people I've met over the course of my career. Today, our guest is Ruth Emery, who runs her own music PR agency and is also an artist, mindset and wellness coach. Ruth runs successful London-based music PR agency, Yes Please, which offers radio, TV, print and online publicity. Prior to this, she worked as a TV plugger at Polydor Records for six years. In January 2021, Ruth qualified as a professional coach and is now practicing as an artist and creative industries coach, specifically working around themes of overwhelm, anxiety and creating a sustainable positive mindset. I'm so grateful and happy that Ruth's agreed to have a chat with us today. So welcome to the BIY pod, Ruth. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. This is my first ever podcast. So thanks for having me. You're going to be amazing and we will be gentle with you. I promise. In fact, we're going to be so gentle that we're going to warm you up with some quick fire questions. How are you feeling about that, Ruth? Let's do it. I'm ready. Amazing. That's what I like to hear. Okay. Don't overthink it. What's the first album you bought? First album was Manic Street Preachers, Everything Must Go. What was the first gig you went to? Tea in the Park in 1996, which was amazing and insane. And we had a tent stolen and it was just crazy. I think I was 15, 14 or 15, maybe I don't know. But amazing first live music experience. What's the last live show you went to? Last live show I went to was Damon Alburn at the Globe Theatre in London which was amazing. Actually, no, I did that on Monday, on Tuesday. I've had a busy week. <laughs> on Tuesday, I went to see Elbow at Hammersmith Apollo. That was my last gig. Amazing. Brilliant. And what's on repeat for you at the moment? So my friend has sent me the James Blake album because I'm just obsessed with him and I absolutely love it. So I've had it on repeat. Who's the artist that changed your life? Oh, the artist that changed my life. I would have to say the Beatles. When I was like 13, we did a road trip from Glasgow to France on holiday. And my sister had a couple of Beatles cassette tapes and we just listened to them on repeat. And I was just like, what is this? It's incredible. We learned the lyrics for every song. And it, yeah, I definitely feel like that was my kind of life-changing music experience in a little white Ford Escort on the way to France. What's your dream lineup, past or present? This could be a festival or a show, like whatever you want, dream lineup. So I definitely have to have Kate Bush in there. I absolutely love Kate Bush. Went to see her when she did those shows at Hammersmith, which is incredible. So Kate Bush followed by, I'd love to go back to that 1996 in the park. Just looking at the lineup, it's so incredible. So it's Paul and Radiohead, Beck. The cardigans, yeah. And take me back to 1996, maybe without the tent being stolen, but um, yeah, <laughs> that experience of being 14 with that classic Britpop lineup, it was just amazing. Thank you so much for that. Some fantastic bands and you are making me nostalgic for the 90s, but then I'm always nostalgic for the 90s. So there you go. <laughs> So before we get stuck into your career stories, when you kindly agreed to be on the show, I sent you a list of words to pick from, your peas in the pod. So you picked passion, people and purpose. So what was it about those words that made you pick them, Ruth? Yeah, passion is, I mean, the kind of leading reason why I work in music. I wanted to do something that I was passionate about that I just love. And so I think passion is really important in being happy with what you do. People, working with people that you like, I think is the most important thing. And, and having my own company and being able to pick those people, I feel really privileged. In the past, I've had experience where the, the mix of people hasn't necessarily been quite right. And I find it quite challenging at times. But working with people and enjoying what you do is, is just super important, I think. Purpose. I chose purpose because it's a big theme for me. It links to some new work I started doing over lockdown, which is artist coaching, working around mindset and creative flow and, and kind of finding calm in the chaos. 
So purpose was a big one. I was lockdown really kind of got to a point where I started to question who I was, what was I doing, where was I going, and all of those questions. I'm sure I wasn't the only person that spent that time in lockdown kind of questioning everything. But I sort of needed to find my purpose again and doing this new work that I'm doing, which I'm sure we'll chat about later. It helped me kind of find my purpose and my reason for doing what I'm doing. I'm feeling like I'm aligned to that. Yeah, it was a time, wasn't it? I think lockdown where all of us had existential crises, multiple. And I think a lot of people took the time to work out actually what the bigger picture was for them, really, didn't they? And and trying to understand their purpose a little bit better. We had that time to reflect, I think, which is so badly needed at the ridiculously fast pace that we are currently living in. Someone actually said to me the other day, I'm not working from home, I'm living at work. And I was like... Oh, yep. wow. I hear that. That is, uh, yeah, it's frightening, isn't it? So I think it's really amazing that you're following that coaching route as well. And obviously, as we mentioned in your intro, you currently run your own business, you're doing the artist coaching, but we're going to rewind right back to the start of your career and talk more about your broader kind of career story. So how did you come to realize you could work in music or that the music business side of things even existed? It was when I was a teenager. I was in Glasgow and Glasgow felt quite disconnected to like the music scene, if you like. It had its own scene, which was great and bubbling and doing its thing. But the kind of wider music industry felt very much like it was London focused and they were signing kind of London bands and all the labels were based there. So I, um, I actually ended up doing my dissertation at university around um, the Scottish music industry and the kind of disconnect to to London. Now, this this was before Instagram. Can you believe it? <laughs> Life before, before Instagram. It was literally before, like, the internet was a huge thing. So, yeah, so you sort of, you're still, you're reading music magazines and you're, you're going to gigs. I'm trying to think what life is like pre-internet. It was pretty wild. But um, my sister was at uni and there was a girl at her university who was working for Virgin Records and giving out flyers about records that were coming out. And I was like, wow, what's that job? I want to do that job. And um, my sister was like, don't be ridiculous. You could never work in music, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, All right. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and actually an opportunity came up when I was at university for a, a Richard Branson-owned company called Virgin Student, which was basically like, Facebook before Facebook and they were looking for student reps to work on site so I applied for the position got taken down to London did a training day ended up getting through to the next round and then Richard Branson came in to meet everyone and I took that moment to literally go up to him and ask him for a job at Virgin Records and I said I've got a five-month work placement coming up at uni can I come and work at your record label and he said, I'll speak to my assistant. And this, this guy was stood next to him and he literally had a crumpled up bit of paper and he wrote my number on the paper. And I was like, I'm never going to hear from them. <laughs> and funnily enough, I didn't, but I did get the job as a student rep. So I, I worked through uni being a student rep for different brands. And then when I graduated, they offered me a job in London, which was great. And so I moved straight to London, started working at Virgin Student and whilst I was there, met Richard Branson again at a summer party and went up to him and said, I met you as a student and I asked you for a job and I never heard from you guys. And I've now moved to London and I really want to work for V2 because he'd sold Virgin Records at this point. He had a label called V2, which was his second kind of label startup. And he said, oh, go and talk to that guy over there and tell him that I sent you. So I went and spoke to this guy whose name is Malcolm. And he was standing with this younger guy called Kevin. And they were the A&R and A&R scout at V2. I said, hi, Richard sent me over. I'm Ruth. I really want a job in the music industry. And they were like, oh, right, okay. And it turned out that they were both Scottish. So that was a really good start because they were very friendly. And then I sort of befriended Kevin, the scout, who started inviting me to gigs and stuff. And he couldn't believe how enthusiastic I was. I was literally like, I'll come to anything. And then a job came up at V2, which I applied for and didn't get. And then another job came up as promotions assistant and Kevin recommended me. So I got my in that way, which was great. 
did the interview and ended up getting my job promotions assistant. And that was when I was 24. So it was about two years after I moved to London. I was going to say, actually, your P's of passion, people and purpose, but it could have been persistence in there as well. Because I think that sounds like you were pretty persistent. And that's amazing. I love the fact that you were kind of trying to create those opportunities for yourself. And maybe it felt like a, a big shout to walk up to Richard Branson and say, you know, give us a job. But I love the fact that you did that. And I suppose, yeah, you didn't get the job the first time round, but then it meant on that second occasion of meeting him, you had a hook to almost go back to him and say something. That's brilliant. I love that story. I also love that the fact that the two A&Rs were Malcolm and Kevin from somewhere in <laughs> Scotland and you made the Scottish, Scottish connection. Yeah. Glasgow. Glasgow Massive. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant. So that got you in the door then. Talk us through getting that promotions assistant job to your career through Universal, then to starting your own company. I started as promotions assistant and then quite quickly they um, promoted me to promotions coordinator, which is one step up. And as that, I was kind of helping the radio and TV pluggers and sending out mail outs, just kind of making cups of tea. <laughs> but actually the first week was a really, the first week I started was really busy and um, they got me to cover a promo day with Liberty X. Do you remember them? Yeah, well, they, they were like... Well, they weren't X Factor, were they? Well, before X Factor, Liberty X. Were they like a pop stars rivals type band? I think they maybe were. I can't even remember it such a long time ago, but they, they definitely had a moment. They had their moment in the spotlight. So I was kind of dropped in the deep end to cover a day of promo. I think it was like my second day and they were doing five TVs in a day. We got to V2 in the morning to get the hair and makeup and then we got in a car to go to Blue Peter and then get in another car to go somewhere else. And I was just like, wow, this is crazy, but this is amazing. <laughs> so from there, I actually really, I was keen to do radio because there was a lot of bands that I really loved. I liked the idea with radio plugging that you would go in a room and talk about music. I was like, this is amazing. What I'd really like to find out is we hear these terms like radio plugger or TV plugger or promo, publicity, PR. Can you explain to some of our listeners who are wanting to work in music and wanting to understand what those roles actually are? Can you explain a little bit about those areas? Yeah, of course. So TV plugger, you are in charge of the TV publicity. So your job is to plan a TV campaign for an artist. And that will mean it will be hand in hand with what's happening in the other areas, so radio and what's happening with press. And album campaigns usually around a kind of six-week push, although you'll have maybe two singles leading into it and then like a six-week push. So with TV plugging, so Liberty X, for example, they had a new single at the time. So they were doing lots of different TV interviews. And so you were wanting to make as much noise as possible that week of single release to just help with chart position. It's slightly different now with TV plugging. So a recent example, we work with Arlo Parks, who is incredible. And she actually started her campaign we obviously went into lockdown quite quickly. I guess her album campaign started from June, where Glastonbury didn't happen, but she was invited to do an acoustic performance from the field, which went on TV. And then from sort of September to January, when her album came, around each single, we'd look to have kind of TV moments. So she did, for example, she went on Channel 4 to do a show around mental health, where she talked about mental health and what it means to her. She went on Sky Arts, had this TV show where it was sort of they invited people for a roundtable discussion. And then closer to album release, we pitched to do Later with Jules. So the week of album release, she was on Later with Jules as a co-host with Jules. She also performed, which was amazing. And then I think that went out on the Friday and on the Sunday, she was on Sunday brunch doing a chat and they showed the record and they talked about the record. So as a TV plugger, you're building a campaign to have these TV moments so that you get to people that will hopefully not have heard of Arlo and will learn about her and connect with her and then go and buy her album and, you know, go and buy a ticket to see her live show. And then on the radio side, it's similar. So you'll have a single 
say it's a single going into album, you'll have a single that you're promoting to get on the Radio 1 playlist or to get on the Six Music playlist, depending on the artist and the sound of the music. So actually with Arlo Parks, using that example, she works on Radio 1 and on Six Music. So she was playlisted at both those stations. So her single would be playlisted and then around album release, she would do extra promo like sessions, like interviews with Annie Mack and just making as much noise as you can so that there's that thing of like seeing something seven times. So you see it on TV, you hear it on the radio, you read it in the Metro, you might see like an Instagram post that's targeted. You might see a billboard when you're going to work in a more normal time. So it's that thing of getting those seven things so that it really gets into the person's psyche of like, who is this artist? What are they about? I should check them out. And that's sort of building a campaign and helping build the profile of an artist. So the radio and TV pluggers, their piece of the puzzle is to get radio airplay or to get TV appearances and performances. Amazing. Perfect. That was super helpful because I think we talk, I mean, certainly from an entry level perspective, when I'm talking to candidates about jobs at record labels, for example, or trying to help them understand what opportunities are out there, often everyone's just like marketing, like marketing is the thing. Whereas I think sometimes people maybe miss those other opportunities, which I guess it's probably more limited in terms of opportunities for radio and TV plugging and promo opportunities. But obviously there's companies like Yes Please, like yours, who often will be looking to hire entry-level talent. And actually one of the things you might be looking for specifically is someone who knows a little bit about what radio or TV promo is so that that's the starting point for that candidate, essentially, just to have a little bit of knowledge. So it's super helpful you just kind of explaining that a little bit more for any of our listeners who aren't familiar with the terms radio plugger or TV plugger, basically. Thank you for taking the time to explain that. And I interrupted your career journey journey. So you were with Liberty X and it was amazing <laughs> and it was chaotic. That's where we were. Yeah. But I guess the point is I realized I love being around people. I was with this band and it was really fun, like getting to know the band, but also the other people around it, the hair makeup artist, the manager, the sound person for when we're doing performances. So what I realized quite quickly is that I love working with people and all different kinds of people. And that was great. And then on the radio side, when I was first at V2, like I didn't know what a radio plugger was. And then I realized, wow, you're literally going into a room and you're playing music and you're talking about the music to a radio producer. This is amazing. So I was actually starting to gravitate towards that, the radio side of things. But then the TV plugger left. And so they were like, do you want to be the TV plugger? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of how I ended up more in the, the TV world, which, which I loved. And it suited my skills of kind of being a people person and also being quite calm in a stressful situation because you'd often find that you're, you're in a live TV studio and everyone around you is quite stressed and, and you sort of have to be that sense of calm amongst the storm whilst it's all going on because if you're freaking out then everyone's looking to you to be kind of in control and organizing it all. So I, I really loved that role and it felt like quite a unique role that I certainly didn't know existed when I was at university. So yeah, I worked at V2 for two years, specifically doing TV towards the later part. And then I got headhunted by someone at Polydor and I ended up doing several interviews with them. And then I took the job with them which was a huge culture shock because V2 was a bit like a family. It was quite a small company. It was in this big house in, in um, Holland Park and it had a bar in the basement. So we'd have people like Paul Weller would just come in on a Friday at five o'clock and just come for like Friday night drinks just because he wouldn't get bothered by people. And we we're all like, yeah, Paul Weller's here. And it was just fun and it was so nice and everyone was so supportive. And then I went into this kind of big corporate company and it was just it was such a kind of culture shock. It was amazing. It was so exciting. But I was like, whoa, this is this is a lot. So I ended up, yeah, becoming TV plugger at Polydor. And that was working in a team of five people. It was quite nice because at Vita, I worked on Elbow. And Elbow ended up getting signed to fiction, which is part of Polydor. So I started at Polydor and they're like, right, the first band we're giving you is Elbow. It's like, yay. 
because I'd already been working with them. So that was really nice. And then, yeah, started working. I, I think my first few campaigns were working on Elbows Records and working with Snow Patrol. And then they were like, we've got this new girl band we're putting together. We want you to come and meet them. And it was the Saturdays who I worked with from day one. And it was so fun to be on that journey with them because um, so they started out being on tour with Girls Aloud. And then my role was to try and convince TV bookers to, to book them for their first single. And they were completely unknown at this point. So we, we were doing like we do showcases and we would we would target all the different TV bookers for different TV shows and invite them down. So that was actually a really exciting journey because it went from like literally getting them. I, I remember we, get, we got them on Good Morning Britain, which was GMTV at the time. And that was their first TV performance. And it was just brilliant. We're like, yay. And then from there, they started doing like lots of different daytimes and they do Blue Peter and things like this. And then each single would build their, their kind of audience to ultimately when they had album release and then they go on tour. And obviously the Saturdays are no more, but all the girls from the band are all doing lots of different amazing things like Molly's obviously on Radio 1 and Rochelle's got an amazing TV career. So that was a really great journey. And then I was working with some big American pop artists. So people like Gwen Stefani, Enrique Iglesias. We were working on Lady Gaga from the beginning of the campaign and take that when they were sort of reforming everyone was like what's going to happen is it going to connect and obviously it went massive so yeah it was amazing it was so brilliant an amazing experience then I, I was there for six years so towards the end of my time there my boss the head of tv ended up going on maternity leave so I got the role as head of tv cover for a year and that was incredible experience but quite um quite stressful times and then when I came to the end of that cover I managed to negotiate with my boss to give me a three-month sabbatical so I went to New York three months put my Blackberry down and just enjoyed New York and at that point I was like right what happens next I, I feel like I don't want to step down do I want to move to New York and like make a new career there do I want to set up my own company and I was kind of unsure what to do and I ended up going back to Polydor I stayed there for about a year less than a year and then left and decided to set up my own company which was quite scary but I kind of got pushed by the universe a little bit it was a new team a new boss and I didn't feel aligned I didn't feel like I was happy in that position anymore so I made the leap to set up my own company fortunately the Saturdays and Elbow said they'd come with me which was great yeah, and then I, I launched Yes Please. So that's actually been, it'll be 10 years next September. So nine years. So nine year wow. birthday this month. Wow. I didn't realise it had been nearly 10 years, Ruth. Yeah, it's incredible. So when I first was initially just doing TV, but I knew that I wanted to be a promo department out of house, but like an in-house promo department. So I kind of started to build a team of doing radio and doing press as well. And so that's what we do. We do press, radio, TV, and some events as well. Fortunately, I can pick the people who work with me, which I feel so fortunate to do. That comes to the, the people P, because the people around me are brilliant. It's crucial, isn't it? It's, it's building that team around you. And I think you mentioned that the kind of team had changed at Polydor and it was sort of like the universe speaking to you, reminding you there are other things out there and you went and you did it yourself. And then like you say, you were able to, to pick your team and that teamwork element is absolutely crucial in any business, but particularly a small business. It's key to have a, to have a team of people around you that you are aligned with and aligned to your values. And obviously, I know we've been doing some work on manifestos and mission statements and values and vision and that kind of thing. So I think that is absolutely crucial. And I think it's really interesting. Some of the things that you picked out when you were talking about TV promo, we were saying, you know, that's a people focused role. It's a relationships focused role. And it's also a role where you need to maintain that sort of element of calm, actually, because all the madness is happening around you. And you're the one that needs to be centered and needs to be calm, which I think maybe you might not, or you personally may not have connected this before. I wonder if you have, I'll be interested to know. 
But I suppose that links absolutely beautifully with what you have begun to do more recently on the coaching side of things, because the coaching side of things is about relationships, it is about people, and actually it is about calm and finding some calm and finding some stillness and wellness. So tell us how that's come to be. Yeah, so in the lockdown, I was asked by She Said So to do an Instagram live about PR and parenting in a pandemic because I have two young kids, which at the time, actually, they hadn't even started school yet. So I was trying to juggle sort of running the company, looking after my kids and just keeping sane, basically. (laughs) So I prepared for the PR Instagram live. I mean, I think it was a bit roughly, but... It was an amazing experience. I was like, oh, I love this, actually. I've got a lot of experience. I've been running a company for nine years. I've got so much experience from that. And also just being a mum and realizing that I could be a mum and still have a career. Because when I was working in the major label sector, I was often seeing people going on maternity leave and being major redundant. So I just kind of thought, if I ever have kids, that's my career over. I'm just going to have to find a new career. But what was amazing is that being my own boss and having a team of amazing people around me, I've actually managed to have two kids take time out on maternity leave and kind of have things ticking over with my incredible team and then come back to work on some amazing projects like the Isle of Parks campaign, which has just been so brilliant. So yeah, I did that. And then after doing that course, I sort of wanted to lean into mentoring a little bit. And then I found this coach who was an ex-music PR who was doing coaching. And I was like, ooh, she was a friend of a friend. So I I sort of looked into her background and, and I saw that she trained at Mindful Talent. I got in touch with her and ended up finding this coaching course, which I started in August 2020, um, which was intensive, all on Zoom for six months. And I just was like, this is perfect. It's like you said, it sort of aligns my work with people and loving working with people. And also that I realized through doing the course that my superpower was staying calm in the really chaotic, stressful situations. And I almost like really excel in that situation. So I realized, wow, that's a really great superpower. And I'd I'd really like to help other people to be able to access their own place of calm because it's different for everyone. Whilst I was doing the course, a lot of it is practical. So you have to do a lot of coaching with case studies. So I was coaching with people in the industry, also coaching artists. And by January, I realized that I just really loved using my new skills and working with artists directly. So that's what I've been doing. And I've been building up my my client roster in that space. And it's just been amazing. Before this session today, actually, I had a walking session with one of the artists that I work with in the park. It was so nice not to be on Zoom, but also just to be in nature, walking around and having like really meaningful conversations. And yeah, it's something that I'm really passionate about and I'm really excited about kind of evolving. It's so important, isn't it? Mental health. I know we were speaking a little bit about that before we hit record today. Kiani and Ruth and I were having a chat about mental health and the importance of Taking time for yourself and and wellness. I think Kiani mentioned that he'd given a day to himself this week uh, just because he was feeling a little bit frazzled. And it's really funny. I've had a particularly tough week and I always operate on my mental health scale, which is one, things are pretty desperate and there doesn't feel to be a a way out of things. And then 10 would be utterly joyful and feeling like life is marvellous. And I've been operating somewhere this week, somewhere between maybe a three and a four and a half at best. And it was so funny. I realized this week that I'd been starting work at 7am and actually finishing work at 11pm. And some of those days I'd been so busy, I hadn't even had a chance to take the dog for a proper walk. And this morning, I just thought to myself, I went to bed last night at Hoppus 11 and I couldn't sleep. I was so worried about work. I was really freaking out about stuff that hadn't been done and I couldn't sleep. And it was probably about two or three o'clock before I got to sleep. And then I woke up this morning at six o'clock like, oh, I haven't had enough sleep. And I was like, do you know what? I'm hitting pause because I can't, I can't operate like this. And I took myself off for an hour long walk with the dog around 
the local cemetery. I know it sounds like a weird place to go, but it's actually really beautiful and was in the sunshine and was looking at trees and watching rabbits jump across the cemetery. And, you know, it's that, it's that pace of life that is so unsustainable. And I think we all forget at times that we have to stop. Like we actually have to stop. And the fact that you were doing a walking session with a client, Ruth, and like you say, just kind of being in nature, it sounds a little bit hippie, but it's not hippie at all. It's just like step away from the laptop, like step away from the screen, step away from social media, step back, press pause. It's allowed and breathe because I think so much of our time is spent rushing from place to place or task to task or Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting. And it's absolutely crucial that that is something that we do, I think, talk about and Funnily enough, use the term make a lot of noise when you were talking about promo. But I think for any cause, you know, that we really care about, we have to make a lot of noise about that as well to help other people who might be struggling. Yeah, I agree. Part of the work that I do with artists is just creating that safe space for them. So creating time for them where they don't have to meet a deadline, they don't have to post something on Instagram or or whatever it is. They just have that time to literally just take a deep breath. And actually breath work is part of how I start a session usually. And it's having a deep breath and really just kind of checking in with how they are, like how are they doing that day? How are things going? And just yeah, taking a moment to reflect and then also look forward and see how they can work better. Because there's been so many amazing things about this pandemic as far as the kind of flexibility with working from home. But as you were saying, working, being on your laptop from seven in the morning till 11 at night, is just not sustainable. It's going to drive you crazy. And it's up to you to really manage that and take a break and take the dog for a walk. And being in nature is such a good way of just disconnecting and resetting. So yeah, it's something that I think is so important. And I think people are talking about it more, but like you said, your friends who were saying that they felt like they were living at work. Yeah, they said, um, I'm not working from home, I'm living at work. And I was like, yeah, I hear that loud and clear. And it's funny, we spoke to Laura Lee on a couple of episodes ago. We were talking about boundaries. We didn't get massively into boundaries, but we kept using the word. And it was like, we could do a whole nother episode on boundaries. And it's a topic that comes up time and time again, just like you said, Ruth, like we have to create those boundaries for ourselves, but it's having the tools to do that. It's almost sometimes having that validation of someone else saying, that's okay, that boundary, let's create those boundaries. Let's talk through those boundaries and saying no is okay. Pressing pause is okay. Like whatever it is that you need to do to create that boundary is okay. Because if we're not looking after ourselves, you know, we're doing ourselves a really big disservice and we can't. And that makes it worse, doesn't it? Like I was saying to someone again this week, I was like, I'm doing about 50 jobs and I'm doing them all really badly. And it's like, well, that's because you're doing about 50 jobs. Yeah. That's it. And actually, a lot of the themes that I work on around is mindset. And when you notice when you're really busy and you, you kind of pause, look at your mindset, you're like, how's my inner critic? How am I talking to myself? And you, often you'll realize that you're being really hard on yourself. It's like, I'm, you're not doing good enough. You need to try harder. You need to work more. Possibly what was keeping you up at night of like all oh, that to do list. I need to do it. I need to do it. And it's noticing that inner critic and noticing the voice and just making it a bit kinder, making it a bit more aware of what you need and just being more in tune with what, what it is that you really need. I need a break is what I need. So I'm going to book myself a week off when we get off this record. Well, look, that's really interesting. And again, really important stuff. And we love talking about mental health on this podcast because it is absolutely crucial that we're talking about it more and we're supporting each other. So that was amazing. That was like a really helpful and detailed look, actually, at a number of things across your career from getting into the music industry, which is traditionally really London-centric from Glasgow, of all places, (laughs) an amazing, an amazing place. So getting in, what kind of roles that you were doing when you started out and a little bit of demystifying, actually, of some of those roles as well, which I think is really helpful. And working through your career journey and picking out those points at which you took a different direction or you took that next step. 
What I'm really interested to know, because this is a question I think that everyone that listens to this podcast is interested in knowing the answer to, is what you wish you'd known when you'd started out or, or the best piece of advice you were given? Okay, so two things. So what I wish I'd known, when you ask me that, I think of this memory when I was in a planning meeting in my early days at B2 for an artist. And I, I think I was possibly the only girl around the board table. And I, I was painfully, I was so nervous, incredibly nervous. And then it got to me and I had to like do my update bit. And I remember just literally feeling like I wanted to crawl under the table. But I give myself, my kind of 24 year old self, the advice of your voice matters. And you have something to add, like you, you have a lot to bring to this table and you have experience and you have thoughts and you have an opinion and it really does matter. And it took me a long time to really get to be confident with that. It, it definitely took me at least probably 10 years in the industry to really find my voice and find my, my confidence. So I would say that to myself, your opinion matters. I would honestly, with the young people that I work with now, I, I notice such a change in them because they're all so confident and very opinionated and they feel that like they're aligned to their values and they will speak up. But that's something that I didn't really do when I first joined the industry because I felt like I was so lucky to be there and I better not, you know, do something wrong because I don't want to get fired. I can't tell you the amount of times that certain bosses had said to me, you're so lucky to be here. And it was like it was drilled into you. And it's almost like this thing of you're actually not worthy. You're just lucky. And you kind of go, I work bloody hard for this. Oh, totally. It's, it's crazy. And it was such a repetitive thing. I think anyone, certainly yeah. of our generation, we will have heard that over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And now I'm trying to undo that and all the work that I'm doing. I'm like, you are worthy. Let's connect with that. That's yeah, a lot exactly. of my coaching themes. <laughs> but um, the talking about best advice, I can tell you about the worst advice. So one Go of on. my first music industry jobs, my boss at the time was like, whatever you do, don't date the artists. Don't go out with anyone in the music industry. Get yourself down to all bar one and like get a bottle of wine and get some friends and just chat to people at the bar. And it was just this like idea that because I was a woman, I wanted to work in music because I wanted to like date a rock star. And I came up against that a lot and it was so insulting. It's not something that I think would happen now. Well, I would really, really hope it doesn't happen now. But at the time, which was like a good while ago, I wouldn't say quite how long, but <laughs> more than a decade. <laughs> A lot more than a decade at the time. Yeah, I just felt like that feeling of like, you're lucky to be here. Don't just do this because you want to date a lead singer of a rock band or whatever. And, and I, that attitude was just really offensive and demoralizing. And I didn't feel like I, I sort of had the support for being there because I was good. And, and, you know, I had things to bring. I had ideas. So that that was some bad advice that I got. Well, not bad advice, just like sexist advice, basically. <laughs> not <laughs> even advice, that. just a sexist no, statement. Advice. Yeah, well, that's it. And it was like, oh, well, do you know what? In that same conversation, he also said, you need a really, really thick skin in this industry. You have to have a thick skin. It's hard. You're going to get knocks. You're going to get knocked back. It's going to be really, really tough. And you're a nice person. So my advice to you is find yourself a thick skin. And I was like, I don't want to change who I am to just fit into this. I remember thinking, I, I don't want to suddenly become this like hard person just so that I can fit in and, and make it work. And I realized that actually it is hard going and it's not so much a thick skin. You have to be able to not take things personally. So kind of like running my own business, you know, things happen, projects come, they go. You have to have a level of not taking it personally when something doesn't work out. And also not using the kind of outside validation, that external validation to validate who you are and that you're good at your job. Because I know I'm good at my job. I know I'm experienced. I know that I try my best and, and that's enough. And so it's really making people realize their own self-worth, which is something that I would tell my 24-year-old my self, I think. Mate, I love that. I wish I could go back to 1998 and tell 18-year-old Sylph, 
You are enough. It's okay. It's good to be you. That's amazing. I love that. So finally, before I hand over to the fabulous and wonderful joy that is Keanu Kerr, I'm going to ask you one last question. What would you like to change in the music business? Obviously, there has been a bit of change in the kind of gender representation, but there's still a huge amount of work that needs to be done in that space. And also diversity within labels. I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done around that. There is positive things happening, but I want to see actual literal changes rather than just talking about it. And obviously, I'm going to say just that kind of extra support for artists, that that safe space, and not just for artists, for employees within labels. I think it's so important that they can just be themselves, figure out what's going on with them, have a platform to talk about any issues that they might have, try to, to deal with the kind of overwhelm that they might experience, and also just put really good strategies in place to help them find a place of calm, find really holistic ways of working. I know that it's not it's not possible to change overnight, but literally there's really some small things that you can do that will help bring a bit of calm into your day. So I, I really, really would like to see some more support in the kind of wellness space within the music industry in the next decade. Mm, for sure. And hopefully sooner. We, um, myself and Jessica Lee, business psychologist, ran a session on psychological safety, actually, the other day. Psychological safety is absolutely crucial. And another part of the BIY family, Jane Blees, she does some wellness coaching as well, which we're doing. So it feels like things are moving forward, but I definitely agree with you that everything needs to happen quicker with those positive changes. We can pause and slow down the actual volume of work that everyone is required to do and speed up the positive productive changes that we need in the in the industry i think would be would be nice well that's fabulous thank you so much for that ruth so now it's time for my favorite bit of the show each episode we ask kiani if there's anything he'd like to ask our guests as he's in the early stages of his career. And I love to encourage people to ask questions when they get the opportunity, which obviously Ruth did of Richard Branson. Um, <laughs> and I'm all about creating those opportunities. So Kiani, over to you. Before I go into my question, Ruth, I must say how you're managing your business, mum life, and literally just the business of what you're doing. You're just so calm about it. Like, I must say that's so admirable, just firstly. And secondly, my actual... I'm only going to do one question today. I was going to do two, but I feel like this one question is very powerful for me. What do you implement for your clients whilst being an um, artist coach? And how do you keep them on a positive path? Is it like, do you have like a client plan or is it just like spontaneous so that our listeners have like an idea of how like artist coaching goes? Amazing question. So with the artist coaching, it's different for every artist everyone's an individual so they come to a session and it's artist focused so I will ask them how they're doing we will explore themes of whatever is coming up for them in that day we usually start the sessions with some deep breathing which just really helps them reset and just become really present and just take a moment to kind of relax for a moment because you often find that when they start a session, the shoulders are kind of up here and feeling like quite stressed and there's been a lot going on. And then it's like, right, let's take a moment. Let's do some breathing. And you just notably, visibly notice them just relaxing a bit more. So some of the themes that come up, often mindset is a big one. So it's noticing how their mindset is. So how's that inner critic? How are they speaking to themselves? They might never have even turned the attention to that before. And sometimes it takes a minute to actually really start to notice. But when you start to notice how you're talking to yourself internally, you might notice that you're being quite hard on yourself. You might notice that you're sort of speaking in quite a negative tone to yourself. So first of all, I, I really encourage my artists to notice what their mindset is like. Let's notice how they are. And then we introduce some really great strategies that help them become more calm and also be kinder to themselves. So 
if they are in a situation where they are being quite harsh, we will kind of get them to recognize that first of all. And then depending on the artist, and it's very unique to the individual. One of the female artists I worked with recently, we did some really positive affirmations for her. So she sort of talked them through with me. And then she actually wrote them into her phone so they would pop up on her phone. So she would just be kind of reminded and then take a minute to kind of take that in and feel it. So to answer your question, as far as other people, I would say notice how your mindset is. Notice what's coming up for you. If you are kind of being very harsh to yourself, really try to notice that and and tone it down a bit and be a bit kinder to yourself. Do things that make you happy. Take yourself out, make sure that you have a break within the day. We were talking about going for a walk earlier and just being in nature, which does, I mean, it's the simplest thing. It's literally walking, going outside, noticing what's the weather like, what's what's happening in the trees. Is it a windy day? Like just feeling those sensations. Immediately that will take yourself out of your mind and kind of into your body and into more of a kind of holistic experience. And then other themes that I work on is creative flow. So with the artists I work with, it's creative flows when they're in that space where they're just creating, they're they're writing a song or they're performing or they're they're dancing whilst performing on stage. It's when they're just in that perfect state and it's just coming through them and they aren't thinking about what they're doing. It's just happening. And so that kind of perfect magical flow state is is really recognizing what it looks like for each individual artist because it's different for everyone so are they in the studio are they with other artists are they with a producer are they at home by themselves what does it look like and just really start to kind of recognize what that is so that they can then access it and be more aware of what works for them what else i mean meditation i'm a huge advocate for meditation it's not for everyone but there's loads of meditation apps out there. And I would recommend that people just take 10 minutes at the start of a day, even if it's just doing a meditation with an app or just sitting quietly and just practicing kind of stilling the mind. Having that time in the day where they just build in that extra time for themselves is just it's such a good thing for, for your mind to kind of allow yourself to deal with whatever the day has to throw at you. Obviously, artists deal with a lot of kind of overwhelming experiences, whether that's being on social media and or being vulnerable and, and, and picking a song. So I was talking about James Blake earlier, who I, I love his new album, and I saw he posted on social media about putting a song out to the world and feeling so kind of vulnerable and, and nervous and shy about how people are going to receive it. And it's amazing to see that even people like James Blake, they get scared about being vulnerable because you're putting a bit of your soul out into the world. So it's helping artists to really kind of protect their energy, set those boundaries in place, like we talked about earlier with Sylvia, and just get to know themselves a little bit better and and get to know what they need to make them feel happy, to make them feel calmer, to make them feel just sort of stay away from that overwhelm and the anxiety. So yeah, that these are some of the themes that I work on, but it, it's different for every individual. And so we kind of drill into different things depending whatever is coming up that day for that artist. You know what? That's actually so interesting because my question was like almost subjective. As you said, it's like artists like focused. But I feel like I appreciate the fact that you was able to give like an insight to how artist coaching is because myself, I didn't know that all those topics and just way of, wellness is implemented in your service and yeah it's really interesting and I appreciate that and I'm sure that like listeners would also learn something from that as well like that's really good back to you so thank you so much thank you so much Keanu thank you so much Ruth for that really generous answer actually that was really really helpful and there's so much in our conversation that feels so important today like I've scribbled so many notes all over my papers that I have in front of me resilience, wellness, calm. And I think we've got three new P's for you as well, Ruth. We've got peace, persistence and protecting yourself, which is really a lot of what we're talking about, I suppose, when we're talking about the wellness aspect of it as well. 
So thank you so much. That feels really, really great. And also that positive affirmation thing that you said you did with the with the female artists that you were working with. I need to do that because I was trying to do affirmations and I've written them on like post-it notes and stuck them on my mirror and they stayed up there for three days and they fell down the back of the mirror. I was like, oh yeah, I can't be bothered to do that. But if I put them on my phone and they pop up as a reminder, I think that would be a really good way to change that internal voice for me. So thank you for that tip. Well, look, each episode, we will be making a donation to a cause we care about on behalf of our guests. So tell us a little bit about who you've picked and why, Ruth. So I've chosen Mind Charity. I am incredibly passionate uh, about mental wellness, as we have obviously discussed a bit about today. And I think that the work that they do is incredible and necessary. And they do some amazing things like working with kids and developing mental resilience and health at a really young age. And I've got two young boys. So for me, it's just so important that they really build up that resilience from as young and as early as possible. I'm teaching them about self-love and meditation at the moment, which is not always going well with a three-year-old, but uh, it's something that I'm going to persist with. My five-year-old is pretty into kind of getting zen, which is great. But mind also, they they work in schools and they work in the education sector and and just they're, they're all about making positive change. And I think creating like safe spaces, which is something that I've talked about in some of the work that I'm doing for people who are suffering with mental illness. So I think they're amazing, inspiring, and and that's why I've chosen mine today. Ruth, genuinely, I think that is such an incredible charity. And obviously, you know, mental health is something on the BIY pod that we really, really care about. And it's been a tough week mental health wise for me. And I don't mind sharing that because I think the more we talk about it, the more we're breaking down that stigma. And just to know for anyone out there who's who's having a bad week or has had a bad week, join my club. But my week's getting better. It's just got infinitely better after <laughs> speaking to the fabulous, the wonderful Ruth. That was incredible. Thank you so much for joining us today. So that's it for another episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to like, subscribe and follow the BIY pod. And you can follow us on our socials as well. We're at biy.people.and.talent on Instagram. And if you're just starting out in the music business, check out our Future Talent Facebook page, which is BIY Future Talent. And for anyone who's already on their music business career path, it's DIY peoples. And a big thank you to Keanu Kerr and Danny Roberts, our production team on the BIY pod. And we will see you all again soon. Thanks, guys. This podcast was brought to you by BIY People and Talent to help you believe it yourself, build it yourself, and be it yourself. Mm-hmm.